Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Oh, thank you so much, Psalmist. Man, that was amazing. I know you enjoyed it out here, didn't you? Yeah. We have just uh, some of the family members uh, who are with our psalmist. They're all masked up uh, who are here. But in any case, what a blessing that was. And my goodness, that was uh, impressive and wonderful worship before Melech Hamlachim, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Beautiful. Uh, the chorale was, was lovely, uh, as always, and, uh, and, and next year will be uh, even more complete, uh, if you will. Uh, and so we're very thankful to the Lord and, and for this Yom Kippur. It's a very special day. It is Yom Kippur, as uh, is not lost on any of you. So the question is, why do we need a day of atonement? Why do we need a day of atonement? And, and beyond this, I have a question for you. Why do I say, why do we need a day of atonement? Why do we need atonement? Why do we need atonement? I mean, this is a, an understandable question that we should ask on Yom Kippur. Have you ever thought about this? I mean, not just philosophically, but practically as it applies to you personally. Why do you need atonement? And furthermore, really, what does atonement mean to you. Well, on Yom Kippur are people all over the world. There are people literally all over the world at this very moment who are participating in Yom Kippur and they're going through rites and traditions. It's the reason I have a white kittle. There's so many traditions uh, for Yom Kippur uh, here, even down to the shoes that I'm wearing, right? There's a, there's a lot of rites and traditions which are absolutely beautiful and I love them. I really do. I love them. To me, they're rich and they're meaningful and they're beautiful. And we had some of the, the liturgy, which is associated in particular with this service, like the Kol Nidre chant itself. And, and it's just so stunning and it's rich and mm, mm, mm. it's delicious. I love every minute of it. All that being said, the core of Yom Kippur is, well, Kippur, <laughs> Yom Kippur, atonement. Kippur means atonement. It only makes sense that the whole point, the really the central theme, the thing that we need to be looking at most prominently and most centrally to the whole holiday is, is not a lot of the peripheral things, which are very important, but this is, after all, according to the Word of God, Yom Kippur, 
or Yom Kippurim, the day of atonement. Atonement! Atonement is central. It is the central theme to this particular high holy day. And some people honestly would like to dance around it. They'd like to dance around atonement being the central theme of Yom Kippur. And even just in preparation for this service, I was kind of surveying some various services of Yom Kippur's in the past around the, the country and the world. And, and, and some, you spend all this complete focus on making the world a better place. And that's good. That's important. Or focusing solely on our Jewish traditions and Jewish values, if you will. And those are good. And those are of great importance. Uh, no doubt about it. Some uh, have central focus on Yom Kippur of being a charitable person and being a giving person. And that is of great importance too. There's little question. These things are very, very, very important and are good. But what about atonement? What about, I mean, after all, this is the day of atonement. We should probably think about a little bit about atonement. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Well, we know that atonement is related to forgiveness, to forgiveness. But it's interesting if you study the word kippur, kippur, evrit in Hebrew, it's also connected to the Hebrew root words, meaning to cover or to cleanse. And interestingly, it's also related to the root meaning the price of a life or ransom. That's interesting, isn't it? Kapoor is related to the word ransom, even, or the price of a life, cleansing. So friends, I ask you today to think about it. What needs to be covered? What needs to be cleansed? What needs to be atoned for, forgiven? Or what even needs to be ransomed. Wow, that's a heavy word, isn't it? My friends, we read in the Scripture very clearly, sin separates us from God. Sin will not be in heaven. That should not come as a surprise to anybody. Sin is not going to be in heaven. Okay, obvious maybe. Sin is what? Very simply, sin is disobedience to God. God's saying, don't do this and you do it, or God's saying, do this and you don't do it. Okay. Sin is disobedience to God. And when we sin, now follow me here, because I'm going I'm to walk you on a journey that's almost like a, a legal journey that explains a little bit about what Kapoor is. And then in a few minutes, I've got an insight for you, something that I had really had not seen the fullness of until this Yom Kippur. It's something fresh, new manner that I want to share with you. Okay, and so sin is disobedience to God. And when we sin, our souls have a debt that must be paid. There is a debt that must be paid when we sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For sin's payment is death. <laughs> That's the payment. The, uh, they say you got to pay the piper, right? Well, the, the Word of God tells us that sin's payment is death. That's the payment for sin. If you don't want to die when you sin, 
And I think that everybody sins. If you don't want to die because that's the payment for sin, then a ransom must be paid. A ransom, atonement, remember that's related to the word kapoor. Atonement must be made. Atonement. The Torah teaches us how atonement or forgiveness is obtained. The Torah teaches us this. It's so interesting, my Jewish brother or sister, all we have to do is look at the Torah itself because the Torah teaches us unequivocally with crystal clarity how Kippur, atonement, is achieved. If we're we're here on Yom Kippur, unless we're just playing, then we should really think about what brings Kippur, what brings atonement. And the Torah tells us, not implicitly, not you have to be a Torah scholar, I put it to everybody here can understand this. Read it yourself and see what you think it means. This is right from the Torah. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 says, For the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your lives. For it is the blood that makes atonement. Because of the life. Wow, so what is it that brings atonement? Exactly, blood. Blood brings atonement. So says the Word of God. It's crystal clear. Something that helps me uh, think about it, Daniel, is think of it almost like a court of law, right? Think of it as a court of law. When you speed, I know none of you speed, right? (laughs) Okay, if any of you speed, it's Yom Kippur, okay? Ask for forgiveness. But when you speed, and if you're caught, the fine is so much money, right? There is a penalty for that which you disobey the law. There's a penalty for that. That's the penalty. When you hurt or kill somebody, well, there's a penalty for that as well. See, Scripture tells us that when you sin... The penalty is death. That's the penalty. Woo! That's intense, man. That's the penalty. Why? Why is the penalty death? You see, this is important to understand because some people have this conception of God as being this mean ogre, this this, this bully who's just trying to kind of squish everybody like a bug, like some kind of Zeus-like figure. And nothing could be further from the truth. And and when people hear, wow, well, the penalty for sin is death, that sounds pretty austere. But why is it death? Oh, friends, you have to understand why, and then it will make sense why that's the penalty. Why? Because sin is the most diabolical thing that there could possibly be in as much as it separates us from God. Remember, there's no sin in heaven. So when there is sin in our life, it separates us from God. Nothing could be worse. Nothing could be worse. Dying is not as bad as being separated from God. We can't be, and that's what sin does. And it has to be, sin has to be avoided at all 
costs because of the consequence of it. This is why God instituted such a severe penalty for sin so as to convey its weight and to discourage us from committing it. We shouldn't want to commit it. And God, and, and you know, to our people so many years ago, God wanted to convey to us how bad sin is, which separates us from him. So he said, okay, the penalty is death. That's the penalty for sin, blood. And how do you know that? Because it says blood is how atonement comes, right? It is through blood that there's atonement. Blood comes through death. That's the whole point of the sacrificial system. It's a very crystal clear Jewish understanding of forgiveness that death is required. It could not be more clear if you honestly look at the Torah. This is why the, the whole purpose of the sacrificial system in the, the, the temple in Jerusalem was this way. What people, I mean, do, do, you, do you read Leviticus? We, we read what the Torah says. When someone sinned, they came, they put their hand on the animal, the animal was slain right there. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. Why? Because death was required. And, and the meaning of the word kapoor helps us understand why. As a ransom, oh boy, it's coming around. You see it? You feel it? As a ransom for you, the animal took the place of the sinner. The animal took your place. Why? Because death was required for sin to be atoned for because it's so bad. And so that animal took the place of the sinner. It's life instead of your life, then the penalty was paid. The, remember Kapoor, what it means? The price of a life that covered the sin. Friends, if you understand this, then it makes total sense why Moshiach, Messiah Yeshua, came. I hear, I, I, I hear some people say, that Yeshua came to start a new religion or that the new covenant disposed of the old and that, and that the old is of little purpose anymore. And, and I, I just look at this and, and it's, it's absolutely baffling to me. Why? Because such talk carries with it a fundamental lack of understanding of the whole purpose of Yeshua's coming in the first place. He came explicitly because of the regulations elucidated in the Torah. Said another way, without the regulations and laws that are set forth in the Tanakh, the Old Covenant, without that, the New Covenant and Yeshua's coming is meaningless. It's meaningless. Because you have to understand the whole purpose of Kapoor and the way that it is achieved. Yeshua came so that through his death, he explicitly fulfilled this fundamental requirement laid out by the Torah as, as the requirement for atonement. The requirement for atonement was a blood covering. This is why Yeshua came. People miss it sometimes, even people who are believers. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. People focus a lot on that. 
he, he, he healed many people. People focus on that. And he told many parables. That those are all wonderful, important things. But the whole purpose that he came is to fulfill the Torah requirement for blood to be shed to cover sin. Which is why, by the way, he had to be born in the way that he was. Born of this virgin Miriam, this Jewish teenager. This is why Yeshua said in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Yeshua said, for even the Son of Man, meaning himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Oh, did you see what Yeshua just did there? You probably never caught that before. He said that he came to give his life as a ransom. Remember, this is related to the word kapoor, for many. See, the Torah requirement for atonement was death. This is why God set up the sacrificial system. The animal took our place or paid the ransom for us. But when Yeshua came and died with the blood of God himself, he took our place and played and paid the ransom for us, just as he said, so that we could have atonement or forgiveness. Oh, this is why we're so grateful and why we look forward to Yom Kippur, because we remember that we have atonement. Here's something else that I just put in my notes, it's really cool. It's something that, that spoke to me that I'd not seen before uh, that, about Yom Kippur. Before this year, I saw this connection and it really spoke to me and, and blessed me. I want for us to look at one of the biggest portions of Scripture in the Tanakh that's, that talks about Yom Kippur and, uh, and, and what, specifically what we are to do. On Yom Kippur. I want for you to think about our requirements for Yom Kippur. Different holidays, we have different things that we do, as you know, but, but they're, they're the biggest portion about Yom Kippur can be found in Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 26. So I, I'm going to read this, and I want you to think in here about all the different things uh, we, are to, we are to do personally. Adonai, verse 26, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, However, the 10th day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you, so that you are to afflict yourselves, okay? You are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You are to not do any kind of work on that day, for it is Yom Kippur, to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. For anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You should do no kind of work. It is a statute, catch this now, forever, throughout your generations, in all your dwellings. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest for you, and you are to humble your souls. On the ninth day of the month in the evening, from evening till evening, you are to keep your Shabbat. Okay, lot to unpack there, right? Okay, let's unpack this a little bit because it's very interesting about what we are to be doing on Yom Kippur. Well, one, it says that there has to be an offering to God on Yom Kippur, and that's fair enough. And yes, we are collectively part of this in as much as this comes from our community. But notice that it is the high priest that offers the primary sacrifices on this day. It is the high gadol, the high priest, who will make the sacrifice. This is unlike the requirements, for example, for the shalosh regalim, where the Torah specifically says that no one 
is to come before God empty-handed. No one. That's what it says for the Shalosh Regalim, but different for Yom Kippur. And it says that we, we commemorate this holiday in a holy convocation. So here we are together, uh, together, together, <laughs> together, together, <laughs> which we are doing right now virtually. All right, we are together right now. This is a holy convocation. Don't be doing other stuff while you're watching this YouTube. I see you. No, 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 no checking your emails. No, 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 Don't click on the other links over there. Come on now. No, no, you just do, no, don't, you can't be watching your Yom Kippur while you're doing something else. Okay, okay, there it was. You see, right there, I saved someone from having to ask repentance for next year, Yom Kippur. I just saved somebody right now. Thank you very much. Okay. What else does it say? Well, it says that we are to afflict, or uh, another translation says to deny ourselves. And this is taken to mean that we fast from eating and we don't do pleasurable things for ourselves. And this is accurate and it's historically true, as we know, as we see this confirmed even in the New Covenant. Okay. Well, what else? Well, it it emphasizes with great uh, intensity that we're to do no work. Doesn't it? I mean, it says that like three different ways, Brian, in that part. Three different ways it talks about the fact that we are to do no work. Explicitly and strongly, it is emphasized. If we do any kind of work, God says he'll be quite upset. And it says it's a rule forever throughout your generations. Some, oh, it doesn't stop when Yeshua came? Didn't he, didn't he stop everything? Oh, it says forever. If that forever, when God says forever, if he doesn't mean forever, y'all, then we're all in trouble. When God says forever, friends, he means forever. So he wants us to do this forever throughout your generations. And and it's written to the Jewish people, but it says forever for our people. It also says that we are to humble our souls. Okay, fair enough. All these things are fair enough. Okay, wait for it, because I want you to consider the parallels that I really hadn't seen before. First of all, it is the high priest that makes atonement for us all. Not us individually on Yom Kippur. Do you see that? It's the high priest that will go in on our behalf on Yom Kippur. This is exactly what Yeshua did for us. Exactly. Next, when we fast and deny ourselves, we are essentially, by doing this, we are expressing our dedication to God In prayer and in fasting, right? Likewise, when we humble our souls, with this we are expressing remorse for our wrongdoings, okay? We are acknowledging the importance of this day and the sacrifice that the high priest is offering on our behalf. This is part of what we're doing by denying ourselves, humbling our souls. But notice, but notice that in a literal sense, fasting is not actually doing something, It is not doing something, (laughs) right? That's actually, you know, I talk about fasting more in the evening service, right? (laughs) Tomorrow morning service, it's a little bit harder to talk all about fasting. Because right now, everybody had a good dinner before you you started watching the stream, right? But tomorrow's service, oy, gavolt, maybe it'll be harder. Uh, but, But in any case... Fasting is not doing something. It's not eating. And in doing so, we recognize God's sovereignty. And finally, God makes it extremely clear to us that we are not to work. It is clear that our forgiveness and our atonement made this day does not come because of our own deeds. 
It is not our work. Beloved, all the tzedakah in the world won't buy it. This is the very story of salvation through Yeshua our Messiah. It's an amazing parallel. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, think about this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast. Wow. It's a gift. So our faith in times of the, the temple, right? Our faith in the high priest's efforts on our behalf as evidenced by our obedience to God, allow the atonement to be applied to us even though we did no work at all. Similarly, our faith in the sacrifice of Yeshua allows the atonement to be applied to us even though we do no work at all. This is what saves us. Ooh, Baruch Hashem, wow. That's some powerful stuff. And this is what makes what we read in the book of Yehudim Meshachim, in the book of Messianic Jews, or the book of Hebrews, make even more sense. Feel free to follow along. It should be on the screen below you right about now. Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse 11 says this, but when Messiah, and think about how this relates to everything we've talked about, but when Messiah appeared, as Kohen Gadol, or high priest, of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tent at his tabernacle, not made with, hand, with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, he entered into the holies, that's the holy of holies, as our eternal high priest, once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify them for the, for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, he is the mediator of a Brit new covenant in order that those called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has taken place that redeems them from the violations under the first covenant. Ooh, this is deep stuff, y'all. This is not one-on-one. This is, this is graduate level depth in terms of spiritual and biblical studies right here. It is so beautiful, though. Oh, my gosh, it's stirring. This is so rich, deep, and meaningful. Oh, man, I hope you're being touched by it. Yeshua is our high priest, and it, this puts it all together. Yom Kippur is amazing, and the, the parallels with Yeshua are not coincidental. To see exactly how Yeshua's role as high priest in our lives 
fits is, is something that makes Yom Kippur even that much more special. Because if we look about it prophetically, Yom Kippur is all about Yeshua and his sacrifice. It's so crystal clear. It's all about it. And, and without him, or without a, a, a lamb in the time of the temple, Yom Kippur doesn't make as much sense. It's the whole point. We can talk about all these other things all you want. But the most important part of Yom Kippur is Kippur. So let's bring this home. Many of us think of ourselves as good people. I know my father did before he came to faith in Messiah Yeshua. <laughs> Some of you may remember our retired rabbi. He said he grew up a good Jewish boy. He said, I thought I was okay. Why? I didn't hit anybody over the head with a tire iron. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, God was way up there, and I was way down here, and every long while did the, did the two meet. Maybe high holy days would see each other passing. Hey, God, you know, okay, I'm, I'm kosher with you, man. I'm just going to let you do your shtick up there, and I'll do my shtick down here. This is how my dad, and most Jewish people are like this. Most Jewish people are like this, not, not poorly intentioned, you understand, but this is just their relationship with God. He's way up there, we're way down here. But nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 8, says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So on this Yom Kippur, you can be sure that if you accept the atonement provided by our eternal high priest, Yeshua, you can be sure that your sins are forgiven. Not because of tzedakah, tefillah, or even teshuvah. All of these are important. But they would be of no effect without the shed blood which provides the kippur. And isn't that what this whole day is supposed to be about anyway? The title of my message is Kippur. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask you if you're watching this stream, and perhaps you've never dedicated your life to the Lord. Maybe God has been way up there and you've been way down here like our retired rabbi talked about before he came to faith. Maybe you've not given it much thought, but you know in your heart there's a stirring. Why? Because you know you're not perfect. And you know you need atonement. And perhaps you didn't know the price for atonement before today, but now you know. According to the Torah, it couldn't be more clear. The price for atonement is blood. It's the whole point of the sacrificial system, but it's why Yeshua came. He made it so easy for us. Why? Because he loves us. It's up at all the 
sporting events, Yohanan 3.16, John 3.16. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if we believe in him, we won't perish but have eternal life. If you have never dedicated your life to God, but you'd like to, I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And when you do, what you're doing is essentially you're laying your hand on the head of that animal during the times of the temple. You're saying, yes, I've sinned. I need atonement. I need blood atonement. And you're asking for God to apply that atonement for Yeshua on that tree of sacrifice, the blood that he shed to cover your sins. This is, this is exactly what it is, straight out of the Word of God and the Torah specifically. But Rabbi, I'm Jewish. What could be more Jewish than receiving the Jewish Messiah who was prophesied and spoken of all throughout the Tanakh? Rabbi, I'm not Jewish. That's the great thing. And think about it for a minute. He came for Jew and Gentile alike. Doesn't that make sense? Would God only come for one and never anybody else? It just doesn't make sense. If he's a loving God, he came for everybody. And that's the beauty of Messiah Yeshua. So if that's you, repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I humble myself before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. Please allow the blood of Messiah Yeshua to cover my sins, to be my kapoor. I'll follow you the rest of my days. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to hear from you just to celebrate with you of what the Lord has done. And if you're here watching and, and you've never considered the cost of your salvation, which by the way in Hebrew is Yeshua, then hopefully today the Lord has ministered and spoken to you. And Lord, I pray for all those who are watching. And I thank you, God, for our atonement that you've given us, God. And, and perhaps we never saw or even fully understood the purpose and the methodology for which we receive atonement. But Lord, thank you so much for, for sending your son, Moshiach, Yeshua, and for giving us our Kippur. And God, that makes this Yom Kippur extra special even if it is watching on the internet. I thank you for these things, God. V'shem Yeshu, in the name of our Messiah Yeshu, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. 
God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.